Thank you for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and resources, visit hopeboon.com. Praise the Lord. Well, it's a great day to be in church, isn't it? It's a great day to be in the house of God. Amen. It's a great day to be the house of God. Isn't that right? The Bible says that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, that God dwells in us. Amen. I, um, I'm, I'm going to begin a new series today, and I'm so excited about it. How many of you were here for at least some of our summer series in the book of James? Let me see your hand. If you were here for some of or most of that series, was that not awesome? 11 weeks in the book of James, holy smokes, it, uh, it was a blast. I had a lot of fun preaching it, and I hope that y'all had a lot of fun listening to it. Um, but it was, it was a challenging series. It was a series that encouraged us and strengthened us and challenged us to grow in all these different areas. We, we found James challenging us in a number of different things, and uh, I, I really loved it. It was like getting a deep tissue massage. You just sometimes you got to have the kinks worked out and it might hurt a little bit for a second, but it's going to mean that you have more freedom later, right? Have anybody ever had a, a deep tissue massage? You get a knot worked out of your shoulder or something. You're like, man, this feels better now, but it hurt there for a second. That's kind of how I look at the book of James. It hurts a little bit, but it was really good. Today, I'm going to begin a series um, that will go for a few weeks in this one. I've titled the series, Rest and Receive. Rest and Receive. I think it's no mystery that people in our world, in our culture, in our society are tired and weary and burned out and frustrated and filled with anxiety. And, and, uh, and those are just the closest relatives of yours, right? No, we're talking about there's a lot of people in our society that are just burned out. And uh, I believe that the Bible gives us some very clear-cut answers on how to deal with the pressure that life throws at us. Uh, that life is never, life is never going to be um, void of pressure and challenge. Jesus, Jesus told us in the book of Matthew, chapter six, he said, "Don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow's going to have its own worries. Tomorrow's going to have its own things that it, that 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 are complicated about it. So so don't fret about that." You know, life is always going to have its challenges. And tomorrow when we wake up, there'll be a new set of things that we have to, we supposedly have to deal with and have to tackle right now. So what we need to do is learn how to live a carefree life. Amen. Amen. Isn't that what Jesus said? Take no thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? How we, what are we going to do? 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 Life is filled with what are we going to do? Amen. But Jesus gives us a very clear cut answer about how to live victoriously. So the answer to that, of course, is rest. And we're going to talk about that for uh, a number of weeks here. But I want to go ahead and invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 4. We'll make our confession of faith that we like to make together. Here, I'll trade you. Thanks. If you're watching, if you've joined us online this morning, you'll see this on your screen. If you're here in the house, you can see it together. We'll read it together. Let's read this confession out loud together. Ready? Read. Thank you, Father, that today the eyes of my heart see you, the ears of my heart hear you, my heart and mind perceive and understand your word and your will. Today I am growing in the things of God. Amen. We believe that we're growing in the things of God this morning. In fact, I believe that when you leave this place this morning, you'll be six inches taller spiritually. Amen. Maybe not naturally. It would be nice if we could grow physically, but, you know, it's whatever. Praise God. Let's look at our, our, our main text for this entire series. It's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. We'll read it, and then I'll pray, and we'll dive in. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest. Let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, that's God's rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. 
Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for another opportunity that we've been given to come before your word. For Father, as your word says, the entrance of your word brings light. I thank you that today the entrance of your word into our hearts brings clarity over confusion, that it replaces the cobwebs and the questions with answers, that it causes us to grow, causes us to be matured, and it causes us to to walk in the light as you are in the light. Thank you, Father, that your word illuminates our hearts and minds today to see you more clearly. We thank you for these things, and we ask that you would give us the ability by the Spirit of God to receive, to understand, to know, and to grow what you want to say to us today. In Jesus' name, we thank you for these things. Amen and amen. Amen. So, as I said, we're going to talk about this subject of resting. And I'm going to read you a few things from my notes right at the beginning because I I want to read them to you exactly the way I felt like the Lord gave them to me. And then I'll make some comments and some things like that. But... We're going to talk about a subject that, in our, that our society desperately needs to hear, the subject of rest, the, the fact that rest is connected to us receiving things from God, that that's such an important piece uh, of our walk with the Lord. And so I believe that our society desperately needs to hear it. I believe that both those in the church at large and those in the world need to know what the Bible says about the subject of rest. Um, and I'm, I'll say this right at the top. If you, if you struggle with stuff like anxiety, if you struggle with stuff like depression, if you struggle with a constant nagging urge of fear, uh, then you probably need to rest. Amen. If you, if you are, if you meet yourself coming and going, anybody know what that's like? If you're, uh, what's the other one? Oh, burning the candle at both ends. Anybody end double end candle burners in here? If, if you're a double-ended candle burner, <laughs> that's funny. That needs to be on a T-shirt. If you're a double-ended candle burner, you need to rest. And the Bible talks a lot about this subject of rest. And so uh, I believe that it's very important. Why do I believe that this is such an important subject? Because I believe that our resting, as I said, has a direct impact on what we're able to receive from the Lord. I believe that this concept of rest is one that the world often gets wrong. Why do I think that the world often gets this rest concept wrong? Because as with everything else, fallen mankind always places itself at the center of things and then attempts to live without God. You say, you you think the world gets rest wrong? Yeah. Yeah because I think the world gets everything wrong, okay? Because uh, you only have to walk with God for so long before you realize that his way is better than our way, right? Amen. How many of you have ever done that? You've just lived enough life to know that I've tried it my way. I've tried it the world's way. I've tried doing what my neighbor told me to do instead of what the Bible told me to do. And now I've done it God's way, and I realize it's just a whole lot better. The Holy Spirit's just a whole lot smarter than you. He's just a whole lot smarter than me. And he inspired these words on these pages to be written to us for our benefit so that we could learn, so that we could understand how we should live. The Bible says that there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of its death. What does that mean? It means that there's a way that we think we should do it, but we don't realize that it's not leading us to success. It's leading us to destruction. Amen. So I've, I've, I've discovered that the world's way of doing things just sometimes stinks. Amen. But God's way of doing things leads me to life and victory and peace and joy and fulfillment and all these other kinds of things. So man tries to live on his own terms. Anybody that's been a parent knows that without instruction and correction, your children will try to live on their own terms. Right? This is the way I want it. Well, tough cookies, but you can't go to bed at 11 o'clock tonight. You have to go to bed when I say you have to go to bed. Right, Claire? Right. Man, 
Man tries to live on his own terms all the time. I, you, you, I'm sure you're probably wondering, what does this have to do with rest? Everything. Just follow me for a second. Man tries to live by his own terms, so God creates rest for man to enjoy. Right? What happened on the seventh day of creation? God rested. Even God knows how to rest. God has created this thing called rest for man to enjoy, and man takes God out of it puts himself at the center of it, and then all of a sudden rest morphs into something like self-care. Oh, pastor, don't come after my self-care. Can, can I tell you something? You taking care of you will always be a cheap counterfeit of God taking care of you. I mean, how self-centered are we as a culture? I need to get away. I need some self-care. We've got life coaches running around telling people, well, you just, you, you got to sit with yourself. You got to get in touch with yourself. It's quiet in here, by the way. <laughs> you got to get in touch with yourself. I was just talking to my sister about this the other day. Uh, Friday, we were, we were having a conversation about this. She, she lives in Los Angeles, and so she's on the, you know, the front lines. <laughs> and, so, and so we were talking about this and just talking about society. She was telling me about some of her friends and some of the challenges. And, and she said, you know, she said, I heard one, one pastor refer to it as navel gazing. Just, just looking at yourself. See, we, t we, take these, we take these concepts that God has created for us that began in purity, and if we take Jesus out of the center of it and put ourselves in the center of it instead, it becomes a selfish endeavor instead of a healthy God-ordained endeavor. And what starts out as rest soon becomes self-care, and I got to sit with myself. You know what they used to do to people that had to sit with themselves? You put them in a very small room with no windows and padded walls. Some of you got that. Some of you, it'll be tonight when you're brushing your teeth. Oh, I know what he was talking about. I'm not, I'm not trying to come after your, 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 your patterns, okay? Well, maybe I am, but how, I, I want to ask us this question. How selfish and self-centered can society get? Do you, do you realize that we, as a society, this generation has created every opportunity for us to put ourselves at the center of everything. We created the selfie stick. It's the apparatus that makes it easier for us to look at ourselves and take pictures of ourselves for our Instagram where we're showcasing ourselves to everybody around us. How do I look? How do I sound? How does my life appear to everybody else? And I'm going to spin my wheels to make my life look fabulous on my social feed so that people think I'm living a good life. But what are we doing? We're putting ourselves at the center. Maybe we can get into the word together and let God redeem self-care and turn it back into the rest that he intended it to be. Because self-care puts me at the middle, but rest puts Jesus at the middle. And then I'm seated with him in heavenly places, above principalities and powers and mights and dominions and every name that is named. And I'm seated with him and I'm able to rest. Amen. Now, I'm going to start this series with something called a presupposition. Anybody know what a presupposition is? It's like a $6 word. But it, but it means to presuppose something, okay? I'm going to start with a presupposition. And what that means when you listen to theologians talk, it means that I don't have time to explain why this is what it is. We're just all going to presuppose that this is true. And then we're going to build our argument on that. Does that make sense? Here's my presupposition for this whole series. Fallen man always tries to live without God by attempting to be his own source. Fallen man always tries to live without God by attempting to be his own source. We attempt to be our own source of joy. 
We attempt to be our own source of, of, of sustenance, substance. We've got to take care of ourselves. We tend to be our own source of peace. We tend to be our own source or try to be our own source of happiness. Can I tell you that if you're your own source of happiness, you're going to be sad. Because you're just not that great. I'm not that great. Believe me, I know myself. Especially when I'm not at my best. I'm no fun to be around. My wife and children will tell you that this is true. Dad's in a bad mood. Let's everybody leave him alone. No, we're just not that great to be around sometimes. So if we force ourselves to be our own source for all the things that we need, we're going to fall miserably short of that line. Do you remember when Jesus was talking with Mary and Martha? Excuse me, when when Mary and Martha invited Jesus over to their house and Jesus is talking with Mary, she's sitting at his feet and what's Martha doing? She's running around, getting the food ready, making sure the coffee's hot, making sure all the chairs are straight. Jesus is coming. And I love Martha's attention to detail, and I love her desire for excellence, but when Jesus is in the room, you don't need to be doing a whole lot of stuff. Jesus, in fact, corrects Martha and says, Martha, you're busy and troubled about many things. Sounds like the opposite of rest. You see, the the reality is that everything that we actually need is at Jesus' feet. We think the things we need are all out here. But the thing we really need is at the feet of Jesus. Jesus is the one with all the answers. Jesus is the one with all the direction. Jesus is the one with all of your needs being taken care of. That comes through him, not through all of our great effort. Amen? I was talking with Pastor Jonathan yesterday, my pastor. If you don't know who Pastor Jonathan or Verna is, they're Brianna and I's pastors, and we love them dearly. They live in Boston, Massachusetts. And I was talking with him yesterday, and he was telling me about, I was kind of telling him a little bit about what I'm going to be preaching on. And he was telling me, he said, you know, we've just made it our goal in life all these years that they raised their family. And he said, we've made it our goal to just go for simplicity. We just made it our aim to live simple. And I said, I said, that's awesome. I said, tell me about that. He said, we make it our aim to live simple instead of living complex and complicated lives for this reason. That the more complicated and complex your life is, the harder it is to actually identify when things aren't right. Everybody has got one of those surfaces in their house that just is the clutter spot. Like for us, it's this one spot in our kitchen where this counter comes out of the wall and, and, and there's, the, you know, there's this countertop here and, and it's just the spot, right? It's like the mail goes there, the groceries go there. When the kids come home, their lunch boxes go there. Uh, things that no one needs ends up there uh, you know, on these counters and, and, and it's just this spot in our house. Maybe for you, it's the dining room table or it's the whatever the case, but everybody's got one. It's the clutter spot. The thing is, if that clutter spot stays cluttered all the time, if it's just constantly got stuff being added to it, then when something's added to it that's dangerous or doesn't need to be there, nobody would know. You see, when your life is a collection of clutter, when all you do is continue to pack stuff into your schedule, oh, I got 30 minutes after work, I should do something with it. Don't worry, I'm going to get to that in subsequent weeks. We'll talk about your schedule later. But when we live cluttered, complicated lives, then when anxiety comes up, we don't know what to attach it to. We don't know where it came from. I don't know if it's my flesh, my mind. I don't know if God's trying to talk to me and I'm not hearing him. I don't know if it's a spirit of fear. I don't know where it's coming from because my life has just got all this stuff in it and I don't know what to attach this to. I don't know how to deal with it. Amen. If I'm talking about you, just look straight. (laughs) Nobody has to know. 
If something needs fixing, it's hard to know how to fix it when we live cluttered. We think we're living it up and having fun. And maybe we have some moments of fun, but the reality is we're living with zero margin in our life and we're just one ugly look away from having a meltdown. Those with parents know exactly what this is like when it's late in the evening and the kids have been running hard, been jumping on the trampoline and their faces are all red and, and, and they think they're having a blast, but they're just one little item away from it all falling apart. Do you know that we live like that as people? And God didn't create us to live like that as people. He didn't design you to be living on the edge. The reality is that what God has for us is so much better than living on the ragged edge of breakdown, meltdown, burnout, you name it. The world's going to promise you toil, But the Bible says, come unto me, those who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Amen. So what does the scripture say? We read Hebrews chapter four. That's the main scripture for this entire series. But what does the word say? I want to spend a few weeks and uncover three different viewpoints on rest, okay? Three different points that I want to cover on rest. Number one, that rest is a promise. It's a promise. We'll spend time talking about that today. Number two, that rest is a priority. It's a priority. One of the best statements I was ever told is if you don't take a Sabbath, one will be taken for you. Rest needs to be prioritized. Number three, it is a posture. It's a posture. It's a mode of life. It's a mode of thinking. It's a mode of being. Rest is not just about ceasing from activity, but it's can you be at rest when you're still? Amen. Anybody anybody ever been that person that's laying in bed? You're not doing anything, trying to go to sleep, but you're a nervous wreck? Amen. There's There's a Bible answer for this, guys. It's called rest. So three viewpoints from Scripture. Rest is a promise. Number two, rest is a priority. Number three, rest is a posture. All three P words, easy to remember. I like to do stuff like that, by the way. The first viewpoint that we're going to deal with today, and I got a little over 20 minutes to share this with you, is that rest is a promise. The Bible is chock full of reminders that rest is a promise. The word rest appears in Scripture over 300 times. Isn't that amazing? The word obedience appears in Scripture less than 100 times, but the word rest appears in Scripture over 300 times. Again, the the world will promise us toil. What is toil? Toil is where you're working hard, but it's not producing. Rest, and you'll see this in a minute when we talk about the promised land. Rest is the opposite of toil. It's where grace is empowering the work that you do and the results are supernatural. Amen. Rest or toils over here. It toils when you're in, the, in Egypt making bricks and it's no matter how hard you work and no matter how many bricks you make, it's not enough. Rest is over here in the promised land. And you're like, I accidentally planted three grape seeds and I have a 25 acre vineyard. I don't know how it happened. I'm going to read you Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 again from a couple different translations. I read it to you first from the New King James. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering into his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Take a look at this from the NIV. It says, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands... Let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. It's powerful. Let me read it to you also from the female, excuse me, the passion translation. Now that, sorry, that that was me, I apologize. The passion translation absolutely nails this. 
Now God has offered to us the same promise of entering into his realm of resting in confident faith. Is that the right verse? Is that the Passion Translation? No, it's not. I got something different on my screen. Let me read you what's on my screen. That's good too, but this is the Passion Translation as I got it off the internet. Now the promise of entering into God's rest still is still for us today. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it. Gosh, that's so good. We must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise of rest and not fail to experience it. The word here for rest in the Greek is powerful. In fact, when I read it, it was such a surprise to me what it actually means. It's the word in Greek, katapausis. I don't expect you to remember that, but I do expect you to remember what it means. Katapausis is a word that comes from two Greek words put together. The word kata or kata means to come down. And the word pausis or pauo means to cease, to stop, to settle. We get the word pause in English from this Greek word, pausis. I mean, it makes sense. One of those ones you can easily connect the dots. So this word katapausis, it means down or coming down, and the word pausis means to cease or to settle. Down, settle. Down, settle. Down, settle, down. Settle down! That's what this word actually literally means. It means settle down. Anybody that's a parent knows by about 9 p.m. on Halloween evening, your child is elbow deep in that giant orange pumpkin full of candy. They're on their... 14th or 15th Twix bar and they're just starting to vibrate. <laughs> you know? And they're, they're just about to blow and you look at them and you say, honey, settle down. Settle down. I'm going to ask you a very serious question and I want you to seriously consider the answer. I don't want amens. I don't want anything. I want you to think for a second. Do you think that God sometimes looks at you and me the same way you look at your sugar-infused five-year-old and wants to say, hey, would you settle down? I think he does. I think, I think we've gotten so good at filling our lives with so much noise that God sometimes just stands back and looks at me the same way I look at Sophia when she's three donuts in and just say, honey, just settle down. We went to the farmer's market yesterday morning and she plowed through a sugar and cinnamon uh, sourdough donut. She loves sweet things. Notice that the writer of Hebrews tells us here not to fall short or to be careful, to be safe, to pay attention so that we don't fall short of God's rest. This tells us that it's possible for us to live our lives without ever getting to experience the rest that God's prepared for us. It's possible. I don't know if you're like me and you've been very well-versed your whole life in the promises of God. Maybe you're like me and you grew up in church, so you've heard these promises all the time and you've heard them to such an extent that you just maybe sometimes assume it's automatic. I know that I do that. Sometimes I just think, oh, it's automatic. Yeah, the promises of God are yes and amen in him. I'm a Christian, hallelujah, praise God. But sometimes if we don't build our lives with some intentionality, we can actually miss the best that God has for us. Doesn't mean you're not saved. Doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. Doesn't mean Jesus doesn't love you. Just means that it's possible to miss God. The first point here that I have for you is that rest is available and it's promised, but it's possible to miss out. 
Let me read to you from the New Living Translation these few verses. Y'all still doing okay? You with me this morning? It's good stuff, isn't it? Encouraging. I know it probably feels challenging, but it'll get encouraging. It'll get gooder. Verse 1 through 4 through 3 in the New Living Translation says it this way. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news, New King James says, this gospel, that God has prepared his rest, has been announced to us just as it was announced to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, in my anger I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest, even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. Now, who, who is the, who's the they that he's talking about? Let me give a little bit of context because we don't have time to read all of chapter 3 and all of chapter 4 to really get this. So let me give you some context. Who is he talking about here when he says they didn't believe, they did believe, these ones entered the rest, they didn't? Who's the they? Yes, I just heard it from somewhere, the Israelites. The children of Israel after they came out of Egypt. Moses leads them out of Egypt supernaturally. They get to the Red Sea. Moses like, what do we do now? God says, hold out your staff. He holds out the staff, the sea parts. You know the story. They come through the Red Sea. It closes behind them, killing all their enemies and totally setting them free in a moment. That's, that's a picture of you getting saved, by the way. You came out of the world. You came out of the kingdom of darkness. God vanquished your enemies, totally set you free, and set you on a path of his will and his desire for your life. You're just as free as Moses and the Israelites were after the Red Sea closed behind them. Amen? How many of you, the Bible says, whom the sun sets free is free indeed? Aren't you glad to be free this morning? Amen. So they come through the Red Sea. Then they go right over to Mount Sinai. Okay. Now, a lot of people think that they went, uh, that, that they, they began their 40 years of roaming in the wilderness after the Red Sea. That's not true. They first went to the mountain of God, Mount Sinai. They got the Ten Commandments. They got the law from God. And then from there, they went to the border of the Promised Land. They got to the River Jordan, and they could see into the land of Canaan, which was God's promised land. And then they decided, we can't go in there. And that's where the 40 years of wandering began. Most people think they just got lost. You know, Moses' GPS was broken after they got, he got wet in the Red Sea and now it's not working right. And, you know, or his wife was driving or something. I don't know. And so they were in the wilderness for 40 years, but that didn't happen until they got a chance to cross into Canaan and decided not to. That's what God's referring to in Hebrews chapter 4. He said, there's, there, there's these group of people that I got angry at them because they, I, I led them right to the entrance of the land I prepared for them, and they turned me down. The book of Exodus calls their intended destination the promised land. The book of Hebrews calls it rest. Read your Bible, it'll bless you. The book of Hebrews calls the promised land rest. But Exodus and Numbers calls it the promised land. But the writer of Hebrews says it's a, it's a picture of something much bigger than just the land of Canaan. I want you to see that God has prepared a place for you called rest. Just the same way that he orchestrated the promised land to be perfect, a perfect place for the Israelites to live. Just the way that he fashioned the landscape and laid everything out and just prepared it perfectly for them. He has also prepared this place called rest for you. Amen. Look what he says in verse 2. This gospel, this good news that God prepared his rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it didn't do them any good because they didn't share in the faith of those who listened and believed. God's prepared rest for his people. I want you to see that in the same way, he prepared the promised land. He's prepared rest for you and me. But only those who believe can enter into it. Only those who believe can enter into it. 
you got to believe that God's rest is what's best for you instead of your hard work. Amen. Sorry, the screen got my attention there for a second. You got to believe that God's rest is best for you. Why could they not enter into the rest of God? Scripture tells us in the previous passage, in the previous chapter, verse 19 of chapter 3, it says that it was because of their unbelief. Do you remember the, the, the 12 spies that went into the land and spied it all out? Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, the best. Joshua and Caleb came back with a great report. They said, oh yeah, rest is awesome. The promised land is great. We saw people carrying grapes that were so big that they had to be carried between two of us. We saw figs we couldn't believe. The pomegranates are the juiciest we've ever seen. It truly is a land flowing with milk and honey. That's what Joshua and Caleb said. In other words, they got it. They saw it. They got, oh, yeah, we saw it. We, we spied the land out. It's primo. Great real estate. Good neighborhood. The 10 spies came back and said, yeah, we saw the grapes and the figs and the pomegranates and they were cool, but you know, some giants. There's some things in the land that, oh man, I don't know. I don't know. Walled cities. There's some obstacles. And the Bible says that, they, that the whole nation sided with the opinion of these 10 people. And the whole nation embraced unbelief. I'm here to tell you that unbelief is the root cause behind most of, if not all, of our problems. Unbelief is at the root cause of most of, if not all of, our problems. Unbelief is what fuels our, our selfishness. Remember I talked about humanity being self-centered? Unbelief is what fuels that self-centeredness. Unbelief is, in the case of rest, unbelief is what fuels our busyness. <laughs> unbelief is what fuels our busyness. This is my second point for you. If you're taking notes, this one's a really good one to write down. In this context, unbelief is buying into the idea that what God has prepared for your benefit is inferior to what you can create for yourself. In this context, I understand unbelief looks different in different contexts, but in this particular context, in dealing with rest, unbelief is buying into the idea that what God has prepared for your benefit and your victory and your best is inferior to what you can create for yourself. I'm going to just work a little bit harder. I'm going to put in a few extra hours. I'm going to just go a little harder and a little harder and a little harder because I know that if I do that, I'll get to the desired result that I want for myself regardless of what God said he's prepared for me. Don't think that your effort is going to produce something that's better than what God has produced for you. I just have to imagine the, the way that these guys looked across the Jordan. I mean, two million people, two and a half million people looking right across the river at the land. God brings them right there and they can see that it's great. But, but at some point, unbelief gets a hold of their heart and they just can't see themselves walking in it. They just can't see themselves living at rest. They're like, no, we're going to double down and try to muscle it out here in the wilderness. And they spent four decades in the wilderness and that entire generation died. I'm telling you, lack of rest is wearing you out. A third point I want to share with you is that rest is a promise and an invitation to receive all that God has prepared for you. You remember I said at the beginning that rest and receiving go hand in hand. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. One of my favorite passages, man. 
Jesus said, verse 28 of Matthew 11, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I mentioned at the beginning how the world tends to distort things that God created in purity. Jesus promises here that he will give rest to our souls. And the world tries so hard to provide rest to their own souls. We are, we are living, I'll have statistics for you in the, in the coming weeks, but we are living in an age where people are more burdened than they ever have been in their minds, in their, in their, in their soul. You've heard me talk about what the soul is before you, your mind, your will, and your emotions, your, your thinker, your doer, and your feeler. And people are so jacked up in their souls right now. I believe one of the biggest culprits and one of the biggest reasons is that we've traded rest out for something that's not supposed to be. Jesus gives us a promise here. I mean, this promise of his rest is, is, is just as much a promise as anything else that he promised. It's just as much a promise of peace in my marriage. It's just as much a promise of my own salvation. He said, I'll give you rest for your soul because my burden is easy. My yoke is light. Hallelujah. Once you can learn how to receive the gift of rest that Jesus promises to give you, notice what he said. He said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will exchange and trade rest. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will sell you some rest. No. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The key to you receiving everything that God has for you starts by you learning how to receive his rest. It's just like the entrance into the promised land for the, for the Israelites. It's the beginning it's the first thing he wants you to trust him with. And then all the other things will come after that. Maybe you're believing God for healing. Maybe you're believing him for restoration in your marriage. Maybe you're believing him for restoration in some other place. Maybe you need a breakthrough in these five areas of life. I'm here to tell you, get good at receiving his rest and the other stuff will become much easier. When you understand that you don't have to earn God's best, you'll actually get to receive it and enjoy it. Glory to God. That's better than you're saying amen. amen. When you realize you don't have to earn God's best, you'll actually start to believe it and receive it and actually enjoy it. I'm going to leave you with a final thought. The Bible said, that was good. Well done. we got a good thing going, you and me. <laughs> the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, I want you to put this on the screen, and I'm going to close with this thought. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. I've heard this verse my whole life. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. In the New King James, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to please God without faith. I think that most of us in this room really love Jesus. And I think that most of us in this room would honestly say, you know, I really want my life to be pleasing to God. 
This scripture tells us that without faith in him, it's impossible to be pleasing to him. I was thinking about this scripture the other day and I was washing my hair. It doesn't have anything to do. It's just the context of when I got this revelation. I'm sitting there washing my hair and this thought hits my heart. Wait a minute. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And, 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 and God prepared all this stuff for the Israelites to, to, to walk into and they turned him down and they became displeasing to him. And I started to think about this and I was like, oh man, this is incredible. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. See, see, I've always thought that without, that without believing really hard, it's impossible to be pleasing to God. I don't think I believe him, so I'm going to really try to believe him. I'm going to double down on my belief. Can I show you that faith and rest are so interwoven that you can really tell when you're in faith by the fact that you're resting in whatever promise it was that God made you. I'm sitting there washing my hair. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. And all of a sudden, I get this image of Thanksgiving dinner. Imagine Thanksgiving dinner. The turkey mashed potatoes, stuffing, my grandmother's stuffing with chestnuts and bacon in it. Oh, hallelujah. Joe Dutcher's corn casserole and, 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 and green bean casserole with little crispy onions on top and sweet potatoes and, 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 and the, the, uh, the Pillsbury biscuits, the grams, the ones that are really puffy and they have all the layers and gravy and, 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 and lasagna. Because, because our family's Italian, and, and absolutely, this, this is really real. It's a real thing. When, when, my, when my mom's parents came over from Italy and all the family came over from Italy, they wanted to embrace Thanksgiving because nobody celebrates Thanksgiving in Italy. It's not a thing there uh, like it is here. But, but they said, okay, we're going to do the American thing and cook all the you know, turkey and all that kind of stuff, but we're going to keep it Italian, so we're going to have lasagna too. It's totally a real thing. You can fact check it with my mom afterwards. <laughs> so I'm imagining all the, all the trappings of Thanksgiving, lasagna included. And I'm imagining that I've invited you all over to come to my house. And I, and I was the one that prepared all this. I, I put the turkey in the oven and I, I, I labored over this for hours and hours to make it perfect so that when you came over, the table would be set and everything would be ready for you so that I could invite you around my table and offer you all this stuff I prepared for you. How are you going to please me in that moment? It's simple. Just eat the stuff I made you. Just receive the thing I laid out for you. Just, just say, okay, thank you. Yeah, I'd love some of that. Those potatoes look great. Can I have more? How, how, much, how much more effective would the analogy be if you came to the table absolutely emaciated because you haven't eaten in a week? How would it be if you came to the table starved? Oh, the Bible says that before Jesus, our righteousness was filthy rags. We didn't bring anything good to the table. Oh, but Psalm 23 says that he lays out a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You see, grace sets the table and faith eats. And rest enjoys the whole kit and caboodle. But we as Christians, man, we're so convinced that we got to do something to earn God's best that we get to the table and we go, oh man, I'm not worthy of the turkey. I'll have one tablespoon of cranberry sauce. I'm not worthy of this spread. So I'm just glad to be at the table, pastor. I'm just glad to be at the table. The table ain't doing you no good if you're not eating. The, the, the children of Israel got right to the river Jordan and God had, the Bible says 
in, in Hebrews 4, it said that he prepared that place from the foundation of the world, that when God was creating the world in the book of Genesis, he was creating at that moment, he was planning out the, the, the land of Canaan for his people. And he'd laid it all out. He, he decided which mountains were going to go where. He decided which rivers and valleys were going to go. He laid out this lush place for them. And the moment they got to the table, they said, I'm not hungry. I'm not going to, no, 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 there's giants in the land. There's some things there that I'm going to have to face that I don't want to face. I, 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 I want to go into the rest that God's prepared for me, but, but maybe in the process, I'm going to have to face a giant or two. I might have to come face to face with my own attitude. I may have to come face to face with the way I talk to my wife, with the way I talk to my kids. I may have to come face to face with how I spend my time. I may have to come face to face with a challenge that, about myself that I'm just not ready to deal with. So let's just, let's just swing for the fences out here in the desert. The table is set. Rest is available. Get your plate loaded. Everything you need has been made available to you by your father. Just learn to receive it. Learn to rest in it. That's why we called the title of this series, Rest and Receive. Pastor, I didn't do anything to earn my rest. Of course you didn't. That's the point. Nobody did. Amen. Are, are you sensing what I'm sensing this morning, that God wants to take us a little deeper into his rest? that God wants to bring us into a place where we're not leveraged and maxed out in every area of life. I pray that this hits you so deep that you go home and go, I got to rethink my schedule. I got to rethink how I spend my time. I got to, I got to, how many hours did I spend on Instagram last week? And how many hours did I read the Bible? How many hours did I pray and talk to my father? Listen, the world's always going to sell you the cheap counterfeit of you taking care of yourself. The world will always do that. But God's got something for you that's so much better. It's called his rest. Amen. Oh, man, if you're as happy as I am, would you stand up to your feet this morning? Hallelujah. Thanks again for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. Our church exists to see people from all walks of life know Jesus, connect and grow, discover their purpose, and make a difference in this world. If you would like to connect with us further, or if you need prayer or assistance, please visit us at hopeboon.com, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.